the Little Bird Podcast. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me as always, the lovely and talented CEO, founder, and mama bird of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKinney. Hi, Priscilla. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I am doing awesome. How are things uh, in Joplin, Missouri? Oh, quite good. Quite good. A little hot, but we're okay. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's hot everywhere, I think, <laughs> being that it's summer and all. Right. So, Priscilla, we were talking before about this massive project that you guys had just taken on. So I want to check in with you and find out how that was going, what's new, and what are the challenges you're facing with that? Well, wow, several. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about terror and how every project that we take on, you know, terrifies us to some degree. And right. every project has a challenge. But I'd say off the cuff, you know, one of the ones that go over every project and every client here is the communication factor. The reason why people talk about all the, all the time communication, communication, communication is because it is just absolutely essential. We talked about like what are we really good at at Little Bird and I've got to say personally what I'm really good at in client meetings and in those initial forays where people are vetting you, I'm really good at garnering trust from clients. It happens naturally with me. I think that I get really honest about what's going on. We talked about like guarantees before yes, right? and how people struggle with that. They want a particular product from you. They want a particular set of skills or they want a particular set of executables. If you're not overly honest with them up front, they sense it. And I think people lose a lot of business because they don't get honest early enough. So I see that connection I make with clients very early as a real big competitive advantage, I guess, that we have. Right. But the problem is, is that relationships have to happen in a truly natural way. Right. And, organically. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that I garner that trust really early and sometimes it can backfire on me. Because, well, wait, what do you mean? Well, the, the relationship needs to catch up. Like, they trust me earlier than they should. Oh, okay. This could just be me, but this is how I perceive over many, many years of clients and a lot of the same thing, and I've become more and more aware of it, and I've gotten much better at being proactive and calling and saying, hey, literally, literally, like two weeks into a project, calling them, we're working so hard on this side there's that first two weeks, especially first two or three weeks of a project where we are so busy working for the client, but we have nothing to show for it yet. Sure. And they don't know how hard you're working. And right. All, all they know is the checks are going out and, exactly. and they haven't heard from you in two weeks. Right. But, you know, and even in the first meetings, I tell people a lot of times the first six weeks, you're not necessarily going to be loving me. In fact, you're going to be questioning your judgment and you're going to be thinking, why are we cutting another check here? You right. know, and so I've been very open with it and very honest and I, I've given full disclosure, but that's what I mean by I feel like sometimes the relationship hasn't caught up. I think there's a natural flow of relationships, the way we relate. And when you trust very early on, it sometimes can backfire because someone later starts questioning their judgment. Right. And saying, wait a minute, we really gave a lot of trust here all of a sudden very quickly. And because you're not in that meeting, they're not reminded in front of you of why they gave you that trust. Because in that meeting, in that, that vetting meeting, they walked out and said, we're in. But they can't put themselves back into that meeting again. Right, 
Right. And so I've learned that no matter how honest you've been, like I used to look at it, it's like, okay, brutal honesty, check, did it in the first meeting. That then I felt like it was done. And I'm like, well, I, I told you, you know, which nobody ever wants to say it, and you should never say that to a client. Yeah, that, so, would be, that would be bad. Know? So I had to realize that that's great, Priscilla. Go ahead and have that brutal honesty in the front because it does get the trust. And you don't, I don't feel like I overstate it, but I really do try and get to a place where I get the client to understand, please don't put pressure on me. I'm not going to put pressure on you. We're going to put pressure on the system and the process we have in place. Ah, okay. And some people need to hear that so many times, and I don't fault them for that. It's a very new concept for a lot of people because they're used to the mentality of squeaky wheel syndrome. Sure. If you just keep calling Priscilla, then they're going to work on my project more. No, you're. It, that's not true. No, no that's just going to bug the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, but you have to not be annoyed by it, honestly. You have to just see it for what it is. It is a part of the human experience. Right. It still is a relationship, and people have to have a place to work out their trust and kind of be able to call you and have a few misgivings and say, okay, now tell me again, how are we going to approach this? What's the project? And, you know, and I can go back to my board, which is an online system, you know, for project management. And of course they can see, literally, they can see the conversations between everybody on my team, who's posting what graphic, what we're saying, what stats came in, what the price is for this thing, what the reaches that we're trying to do for this press release, who we're sending it to, how much this direct mail piece is going to, I mean, whatever. Right. But I've had to realize that communication, volume of communication is no substitute for quality of communication. And honestly, nothing, nothing, nothing takes the place of picking up the phone and calling your client and checking in. You know, that is such an interesting point because with all of the technology have, we have with instant messaging and Facebook and Twitter and email and all of these ways that that is supposedly keeping us more connected than we were mm -hmm. it, there, it seems like in a lot of ways it's actually there's more of a disconnect well and i i wouldn't necessarily say there's more of a disconnect so much as there's a false connectivity i don't think that we're any more undone than we used to be it's right. just that we believe that we're connected more ah. <laughs> So I think that's the rub there. And so you kind of get lulled into thinking, yeah, I've done enough there. I think what it ends up doing, and I've seen it even play out with my team. And, you know, for anybody who is managing a larger team and a lot of different personalities, you have to really be careful and you have to manage the expectations. And people talk about that all the time from managing expectations from clients. But I'm telling you, you got to manage expectations of your team because they expect people to just blindly trust you. I got to put myself in the client's shoes. They're stroking checks and they have in their heart this passion, this product or this brand or something. This is like, this is their baby. Yeah. You know, and they handed it over to you and were saying, can you help us here? Or here, watch this baby for a little bit, grow them up a little bit. <laughs> right. But you have to really be sensitive about how hard it is for someone to let go of the reins. Sure. And really, as 
any kind of agency work, that's what we're trying to do. Honestly, is say, could you please get out of the way while we actually do what we think needs to be done with your brand? And so you have to kind of understand that that's a you're putting the client in a very helpless position, which is ironic because you know I have clients come in all the time and who've never worked with an agency. This, this is very common in my area because it's uncommon to work with an agency. Uh, you know, at a, at, you know, if you're in a massive city, and I talked about this before, because we have such a lower barrier, financial barrier to business ownership. Right. We have so many more people into it. You think about like in Chicago or Newport Beach or somewhere like that, you know, just to rent a plate for your office space requires you to have some serious funding. Right. Yeah, it right? does. Here, do you have $200? You can have an office. <laughs> wow. So we have a proliferation of smaller businesses and things like that, which is great. It's a great economy. It's just different, you know. And so we do in this particular area, it is not the common experience to have an agency working for you. So a lot of our clients do not have peers who are working with agencies. And a lot of times they are stepping out into a very challenging unknown and they're doing it for their own reasons. And obviously in that, you know, thank God I've garnered their trust. Yeah. And so they're moving forward, but it is a very lonely place for them. And that is, I think, one of the biggest challenges I have and the lessons I've learned, and I hope I'm still learning it. I was just thinking about it this morning about a particular client thinking, Priscilla, there's no substitute. Pick up the phone. You've got, I, I have, they, they make fun of me here at work because I have a sixth sense and I'll tell somebody like on Thursday, you know what? We really need to call so-and-so. I just, I just, I just feel it. Right, right, and right. They have learned do not let me get busy and not do that because inevitably, and it kills me. I don't know. It took me years and years and years to learn to trust that instinct. I'm not joking. Every time I had said that to somebody and I didn't do it, three days later, five days later, whatever it is, we get a call and there's a problem. Mm. I think that I work with the client on a very personal level and that's why they gave me so much trust so fast and so I'm connected in some way I kind of understood somehow intuited what their expectations were but that's not enough I have to then operate under that understanding and really see some things from their side yes and help them walk through not just you know my job is not just to execute the plans but my job is also to walk this client through and that's unique to my position as a selling president and none of my staff is going to do that they don't need to that's not their job yeah you're the go-to person exactly and so i have to manage that relationship and the the difficulty is you know which is another interesting thing is trying to determine the difference between what clients say they want and what they actually want exactly exactly that was actually the next point i wanted to bring up because i know i've had experience in that when i've been you know as a writer i'll have someone call me and say i need this piece and i need it to be super funny super casual and i need it tomorrow can you do it sure <laughs> i can do it and then i write it and i send it off and i get a phone call going this isn't what we asked for and I go, wait a minute, this is exactly what you asked for. Uh -huh. give, me, uh, give me a scenario on that. Well, I think the most obvious situations deal with websites and oh. digital media. And they come to mind because they are very tangible, 
you know, actual items that we deliver, deliverables, we call them deliverables. I sometimes hate using jargon and lingo, but with websites, I get a lot of times, no, we just really need something fast and quick, just a splash page, just put something out there. And then there's the rub of we don't want to take a lot of time to do it, but yet we want it to look like Austin Beers. Right, like right. amazing website with like ridiculous amount of research and brand, uh, you know, it's it just the whole brand has been done succinctly before they ever launched the website. Yes. And of course, the client always says, and I have $15 to spend. <laughs> what can you do? Exactly. Well, you know what? The biggest problem with clients is that they don't know what is a good deal and what isn't. That's another issue that's very difficult. So, you know, there can be times where, you know, for whatever strategic reasons we have here, we may underbid a project because we really want it for our portfolio. And unfortunately, that's not always the best idea because it can undervalue our work and it doesn't give a sense of what kind of value it is we're delivering. And also, I have to put myself in the position of the client is that they literally, literally, and I, I don't know if I can explain this enough, but they literally don't know if when they say the website that they want, they literally don't know if you are going to say $3,000 or you are going to say $22,000. Wow. They literally don't know. That's my experience. I don't know if any other agency experiences that. I'm telling you, I'm in a Midwest. They're just the range of what people deliver here in quality and in price is so wide that it is actually makes it very difficult to sell and sell from a value proposition. And I want to do the research, you know, before I put a website up. And I, there is a there is a time for fast. I get it. But we joke around all the time. I saw a great Venn diagram that going, you know, all over the web. And it's the same old thing we've always been saying. But there's with graphic design and web and mobile or whatever it is, there's fast, there's cheap, there's great, and there's free. <laughs> and you can pick two. Yeah. But you can't have more than two. So Right. And to get the beauty fast and great, that's expensive. <laughs> so right. you can't have cheap. <laughs> and you yeah. certainly can't have free. What is it uh, in the car world? They say speed costs. How fast do you want to go? Right. I never heard that. But I think that's true. People do have an expectation, especially, I think, with the the digital age and and all of the things that are going on on the Internet and mobile, like you were talking about, and all this. There's this sense of it's already out there. All you have to do is put it up. You know what I mean? It's like it magically appears and you post it. They don't get the research behind it. They don't get the amount of man hours that it takes to really thoroughly do a good job and represent your brand or your product in a way that's going to produce results. Well, I have a brand positioning statement I wrote for a client that is three to four sentences long. And I am not joking, Dan, that represents about 30 hours of research. Wow. And it is so hard to explain to a client the value. I wouldn't say it's hard to explain the value. It's it's hard to explain it before things happen. But when they read it, if you nail it, they look at those three or four sentences and they, you can just see it all over the face. They come alive because they're like, you get me. Right. This is our, this is what we are about. And it is so worth spending that time. We, we do a lot of brand proposals and 
I get surprised. I mean, I, I really explain to them how many hours it takes. And I luckily, at this point, we have so many of them here. We have copies of things that we've done so they can see it. But before I ever had them here, you know how hard it was to explain to a client and get them to hand over several thousand dollars to develop their brand? It is so amazing when the client opens it up and reads it and just goes, yeah, that's us. You know, right. I had one with a local community college. And literally, she took it back to the board, the staff, the president, everybody else. And literally, one of the comments was, we have personas that we create at the end of the brand book. And we created like five different personas. One was a guidance counselor. Then you have your traditional student, your non-traditional student, a local business owner, blah, blah, blah. Different people that are connecting with this community college. And we put together a persona. So we give them a name, we give them a picture, we give them an age, we give them a salary, we give them how many kids they have, what their marital status is, blah, 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 and flesh out this person because we cannot start marketing until we understand who we're marketing to and what those people are saying. They'll just say what they want out of a community college, right? But we can't take that at face value. They're saying one thing, but they want another. Mm. They're saying, I want the most quality educational experience for my child. No, no, you don't. Otherwise, you would be sending them to Notre Dame. Right. <laughs> That's right. You'd be yeah. writing out that big check. I hope I don't get crucified for that one, but you know, <laughs> no, no pun intended. But whatever it is, you'd be sending them to a massive school if you absolutely wanted the best. Or maybe someone would argue, no, you'd send them to a tiny school. Whatever. I, that's not my point. My point is, is that you're looking at a community college because you want value or you want being close, you know, whatever it is. But we have to spend the research. What is it? You're saying one thing, but you want another. And we cannot market to what you're saying. We have got to market to what you're not saying. Right. And I, I would think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for you is to really get behind what the client is asking for. Right, right. But I tell you what, the reality is this is where I do not know their job or their brand as well as they do. And this is where I have to rely on the client. I tell them all the time, look, mm. I know marketing, I know design, I know brand building, I know messaging, I know great copywriting, but I am never going to know your business like you know it. So you right. have to communicate with me. And those people gave me those answers. They just didn't realize they did. Mm. Just very good at effective questioning <laughs> and note-taking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, really, my project manager is fantastic at note-taking because <laughs> I just sit in meetings and stare at people's eyes and try and listen. But, um, <laughs> this client came back to us and told us that the president said something to the effect like, how did they get permission from these people to blah, blah, blah? And, and they had to explain it to them like, no, this is, these are fake, these are personas. These aren't particular people. We had nailed it so right on that he thought these were actually people attending and people they were working with. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a powerful statement and vindication that we, our research was worth it. That the client just thought, okay, this is it. And I'm like, okay, but you now, now we can have the conversations about how we're going to organize the budget. Who on this list is the most important? Who do we need to target? But now we know what they're thinking and what they're not saying to you. And let's develop a plan 
around that. So I, I think that's what I was saying. It's like, I think there's two things. There's that idea of communicating with the client, keeping, I'd say, I guess, managing their expectations, but I don't even know if it's managing expectations so much as just building the relationship. And I hate, oh, is that, that's so trite too, but it's just about recognizing that people are people. You're, you're doing business with people. You're not doing business with machines. And they're going to wake up every morning with their own misgivings, with their own emotions about what's going on over there. And uh, it's a fact that they can see it, but that's not what they're experiencing. They're experiencing this mild panic every day that we have their project and their baby here, and they're wondering if we're taking care of it. I, I wonder if it's akin to when you get your house remodeled and <laughs> you walk into the house after day one of the, or the teardown phase. Right. And it's just like bare studs on the wall and wires hanging out, and they go... <laughs> Oh my God, what have you done? Right. And you, you want to tell the client, this is totally necessary. Right. It <laughs> may look like, bad now, but come back in three weeks. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, really? I mean, and then you, the, the studs are there and, you know, just wires hanging and all the client is thinking, no matter what they're saying, they're thinking, oh my gosh, do you guys have a plan? Yeah, you, <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Did you, I understand the need for, you know, they can they can logically understand the need for tearing it apart, but they emotionally are struggling with the need to tear it apart. And right. so that's that's that big thing of, you know, keeping them in the loop in a relationship that really is in line with the trust that they gave you. And the second thing is paying attention to what they ask for mm. and what they say they want and being able to really carve out a deeper understanding about what they really want and putting that back to them and doing a check. Well, I hear you saying this, you're asking me for this, but what I really think you want is this, is that true? And wow. so I say that with some humility is that I don't always know either, but it's just awareness. And uh, I think that, you know, we get paid because we bring awareness to the brand. I think we bring some insight and I think more than anything, we bring a lot of great questions. Right. So that is the way that clients feel like they're involved in their project. And I really think regardless of the fact that you drop your kids off at daycare, drop your kids off at school, don't think that just because that parent dropped that kid off that they don't care what they're doing all day long. Right. They have right. entrusted them somewhere, but they are deeply invested in what is going on emotionally and obviously in this particular case financially. So sure. And that's why I think communication is key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and there's no real clear lines of exactly what you must do. But for me, my guiding principle is trust your gut and put yourself in the client's shoes as much as you can. And it's hard because I'm juggling, trying to manage other people. I'm juggling selling. I'm trying to all these other kinds of things. But I cannot stop really trusting that gut and doing what I can to continue growing that relationship. It just It's a must. It's a must. Well, Priscilla, thank you so much for uh, shedding some light on that. This, this has been a fascinating conversation. Well, great. And I have to actually go because I have a lot of phone calls to make, apparently. <laughs> See what happens? Excellent. Well, listeners, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and, and your insight on what you've experienced in this area. So as always, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, you can leave a message on our website, or wherever you download this podcast from. So for the Little Bird Marketing Company, the home of cage-free thinking, this is Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.